Welcome yes, in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got the whole squad of four for an Avalanche off day here today to talk. Maybe not specifics of trade deadline, but kind of what we're expecting come trade real. deadline day. That's how this will go. Yeah, well, you know, we'll start broad and whatever happens, happens. Uh, before we get into all the trade deadline stuff, though, obviously the Avs news of the day, Val Nachushkin officially cleared by the player assistance program to return to the Colorado Avalanche. Specifically uh, to practice, not to games. Yeah. Just saying. Still a significant step from just not existing, essentially, as mm-hmm. far as the NHL team is concerned. Correct. We've talked a lot about the Avs forward core and the holes it's had getting Val Natushkin back to practice and presumably in the near future games. How big of a step forward does the Avs lineup take with Val back? It's huge. I wrote about this in the post-game piece from the Toronto game, and they're 8-7-2 in his absence, which isn't horrific, but their power play and their penalty kill has struggled without him. 19th in the league at 18.9% on the power play, and then 26th in the league on the PK without him. Yikes. And it's not the end-all be-all, because there are simultaneous struggles that have happened alongside Val being out of the lineup. For sure. To include Kale McCarr kind of struggling, especially on that road trip. And so there are other things that attribute to that record beyond just Valnichushkin being gone. But we've seen a need for even more balance in the forward group. And their top six can be so much more dangerous than what we've seen it. And that is not to demerit what the chaos line has been. It's just more appropriately meant to be a third line. And I think that with Valnichushkin back, that top six starts to really look competitive and Obviously, the production that we saw from him, the pace that he was producing at just before he left in January was comparable to the cup run year. It was so good. The pace he was at, for all of Val's career here, even after his breakout, you were really talking about him as a secondary piece in Colorado. The pace he was at this season was more of a, is Val Nachushkin a star piece? Is he a 40 goal scorer yeah. all of a sudden? <laughs> What's happening? Well, here's what I'll say. And again, I don't even know if it's a word. He's an anomaly, right? He, it's not normal. There, there's not many uh, Val around the league. There's not. I mean, there's not many that, that are that big, that can skate, that can impact the game on special teams, that can impact the game at five-on-five, five, that can play with elite players. A lot of people always talk about like, oh, yeah, but this guy plays with McKinnon and this guy. i maybe tell you something. You have to be able to play with these guys as well. It goes hand in hand. It's not just like you could put a bad player. No, trust me, you can't. So this guy, he's trusted by Bednar. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason to struggle when he's not around because he is an important piece, and he is a piece that not everyone has. Um, by being gone... Numbers are the numbers. We all know they suck with him not there. It will make a difference once he comes back. He he changes the makeup of the forwards for the avalanche. By him not being there creates a massive gap hole. Like, it's huge. Um, and, and then it's almost like he's in that tier, like you said, of stars. You know what I mean? Like, because of what he does, you have to put him in there. And go back to two summers ago when they win the cup, they have to make decisions. I don't care if you would have had to pay him 11 million bucks a year. You had to do it. You had to keep him. And they did the right decision because he impacts the game and he makes their lineup so different when he's there. And he's so different than any other player around the league. There's not many. I mean, I, I, you can count on them. Maybe there's five. I don't know. I don't even know if there's five. Are there? I don't know. I just used the word it's five. Like, I would have to look at every roster right now. I don't think I can get to five. It's like off the top of my head, I'm like, it's Mark Stone and Val Nachushkin. And Val Nachushkin. End of list. I mean, that's <laughs> and the that's small version is Brad Marchand. <laughs> it's that small version. <laughs> I know, but you're right. If it wasn't like, small, it's the same. He's yeah. that impactful. Yeah, he is that impactful. So when he's not there, it's not a coincidence that numbers go down. Meaning wins and losses. What does that mean? That means your special teams suck. That means you're right. Forget about goaltending. He doesn't impact the goaltending. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, Kale McCarr, he doesn't have that same net front. He's 
arguably, I don't want to hear Joe Pavelski, whatever, probably until he left, he was probably the best net front presence in the National Hockey League this year. On He's the power tipping play. a lot of pucks this Holy year for sure. How are you kidding me? Not even just tipping, but I he mean, was scoring just, a lot of pucks from right, right there. there and know? he created a whole dynamic that the Avs power play hadn't had when so since you, Landeskog you, was healthy. Yep. Yes, in that they could play from down low. They had a guy in front that could that was big. He was hard to move out of that area, but he also had the skill to get the job done. It wasn't just try hard. It was a combination of all of it. Like you have to love everything about Arturi Lackanen. But he's just not as good as Val Nichushkin is. Nope. He's just not as good. And, and and to add to that is, in the playoffs, we didn't get to really see it last year. Not going back to that, you know, uh, that time. But but the year before, like you're playing seven games against Val. It's a long two weeks. I, I'm just telling. I'm, I'm just telling I, you. I'll say if Val Nichushkin doesn't disappear from the series, the Avs win round one last 100%. year. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like, so my my yeah. point is, yeah. it's I my so. that's my point, and and I said that to you the other day. Remember, I'm like Val. Val doesn't hit when people say, "Oh, he's physical." Val, I've never seen Val hit a guy. I mean, I've seen him finish his checks, but he's just so heavy and so freaking tough off the faceoff to to move in the corners in front of the net. That's what I mean by. A seven-game series, you're playing against him. It is demanding. It is tough, and it wears on you. So awesome that he's going to be back. Who knows when? He needs a few. I mean, he's a freak of nature. I don't know. I'm going to take him a freaking few practices, and he'll be back in there. But I mean, give him but a you week. Have, but you have to get back into it. You know, I get it. Yeah, you got to get your hands, your, you know, all that. But he is a freak of nature. So it's going to be awesome to see him back and, you know, knock on with the playoffs and everything. It's a, it's a different Avs lineup. One sneaky thing, too, that I hope – return brings about is options for Bednar to separate Rantanen and McKinnon if he needs to and and play Val up on that wing put Miko down that's not to say that's what he should do but it gives him some options to get Miko going and maybe apply some pressure back against the wall maybe that's exactly what Miko Rantanen needs right now certainly Bednar is in love with his flexibility if nothing else when it comes to rotating those guys around the lineup uh, yeah, if you you get him back and you feel like you have five players in your top six that belong in a top six. And this is what I wanted to move into and kind of tie it into what we're going to talk about today. With Val Nichushkin back in the lineup, you take... Eventually. <laughs> sure. Exactly. I'm, just, I'm just saying, I don't want people to listen to this and then, yeah. then th- them think that he's going to play tomorrow. Right, how about this? With Val Nichushkin back at practice... Okay. Nicely said. Sorry. No, you're you're right. You're, I don't I don't mean to be annoying about you're, it. I just you're, you no specifics you are. are important. It matters. Uh, with Val Nichushkin back at practice, you look at the Colorado Avalanche lineup. Val Nichushkin helps. Does he solve the hole at two C? No, but does he make it more palatable when you look out there at the deadline and what's realistically available? Lindholm's gone. Monahan's gone. Some people maybe feel like there isn't a, a high-caliber 2C available. Next to Val Nichushkin, do some of these, I don't want to call them secondary-tier guys, but maybe a guy that is more of a middle six than a 2C start to make more sense for Colorado? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it makes it easier because you are saying, hey, we are so strong on the wing that that game-changing 2C isn't out there. And just for my money, Sean Monahan wasn't it anyway. I would agree. And it, Sean Monahan certainly wasn't it in Colorado. Exactly. Right, and right that's there. not that Sean Monahan isn't good or he isn't going to be a good fit for the Jets or anything like that. Just in Colorado, he was never on my list, um, realistically, of guys that would, would make them better. It's, it's more that you have a Nachushkin and you have a Lekkanen now at wing. Maybe you get very, very lucky and you have a Landis Cog in the postseason. That lessens the need for, hey, we don't necessarily need to go and get crazy here. You don't need to trade a Bowen Byram in season for a Morgan Frost or a Casey Middlestat type of guy. That's a conversation that you can wait to have in the summer. The one thing about doing it right now that you do, hey, uh, you get rid of Byram, you get rid of, you trade him for a real answer here. You have Sam Malinsky just waiting. Is Sam Malinsky as good as Bowen Byram? Today? Today, I think no. they're pretty close. I'm sorry, but I think they are. 
I think I think I think Byram is better, but I think it's closer than their reputations that if you were to say their names would would suggest, uh, especially in a third pairing role. I think they're closer. And so you could do that if you wanted to and go and get crazy. And then that does very much change things for you. But at the deadline, you know, the, the guys that we are going to spend a lot of time talking about. Yeah, it's a lot of, yeah, that guy's okay. Does he fit? He's solid. He makes sense here. He does this well. You know, it's, it's, you're not checking every box. You're checking some of the boxes. And the, the hard part, of, if you're Chris McFarlane now, is checking the right boxes. I think that's fair. I, I think the other side of adding Val back to the lineup for the Avs, and, you know, obviously we don't know health for anyone, let alone Val, if something happens over the next two weeks that could change philosophy significantly. Yeah. But you look at Val on his way back. You look at Kovalenko, whose playoffs start next week. Uh, this this week. week, even. Yeah, yeah and they're playing Monday. top seed. Yep, they could be out pretty quick. So Kovalenko <laughs> could be here at the deadline. Like, yep. You look at maybe Landy is somewhere on the road to, to coming back. Maybe not. Who's to say? But the point I'm getting at here is starts to make basically no sense for the Avs to go out and get a wing, right? Yeah. Had have seen some people saying, could the Avs be interested in Jake Gensel? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Colorado to do that, right? Whatever assets you would use in a Jake Gensel deal, wouldn't you be better served either saving for a true two C deal or waiting until the summer to try and to try and do it? Yes. Jake Gensel rocks. Jake Gensel will be fun in Colorado, but where does Jake Gensel fit? It has to make sense. I love Jake Gensel. But <laughs> same. Emily Kaplan's reported at minimum two first round picks or a first round pick and an A plus prospect. One, is it is that Cal Richie? Like we're high on Richie, but is that even enough to get that across the finish line? And do you want to part with important center depth for a winger? Anyways, it doesn't make sense. I completely agree. And I just don't think the Fs can afford that cost in season and there's a lot of other teams that are more desperate for a winger that are probably willing to pay that vegas yeah yeah I, i'm not worried about you only have those windows to win so many years right i mean mm -hmm. we talk about abs 1.0 they had those windows right they've got two six trips to the semis right so they went two for six right you know they had that window and we all know it's hard to win and then this is abs 2.0 they got that window, right? We all know it. They're one of the best teams. The core is locked up. I've told you guys before, I'm a gambler. It doesn't bother me. Like, you know, to, for me, if Jake Gensel was a center, I got no problem. Oh, yeah. I, I got no problem. Like, if it's Cal Ritchie, if it's anybody, it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, you want that silver thing. And to win that silver thing, you got to make sacrifices. But he's a winger. That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So it's told Rudo the other day, like, I'm in love with Riley Smith. I've been in love with him for years. I, I just, one of those guys that I've always liked, you know, the past 10, 12 years has been around. and He's good at everything. Good at everything, could help them in everything, but he's not a center. You know what I mean? And it's like, man, can we just knock me out and then just make me wake up and say, oh, he's a center. I'm like, oh, yeah, he is a center. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, so there's some guys out there that are, they're going to make teams better. You know what I mean? Guys like that. Gensel, I mean, you would think Pittsburgh's going to move on from Gensel and, you know, Riley. And then the market will dictate what the market. You got to remember the market changes a lot, too. All of a sudden, and there are some craziness that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to be wild and crazy. I'm saying, but there's always something stupid at the deadline. It just is. There's, there's some every year. And AJ and I were talking to you then. There's, I'm using Berkey, you know, because I heard him on the radio. There's only one Stanley Cup awarded. Only one. And he's right. And seven, ten days into it, you're down to eight teams out of 32. Yep. So whatever people are going to try to do here this yeah. next week, which, and again, I'm not making fun of because I would do it too, and I've mm -hmm. been part of teams that were doing it. Do it. You know what I mean? Because you only have a certain window to get that, that silver shiny thing, you know. But it'll be interesting to see. There'll be some good teams that will get better because of their circumstances and their, you know, didn't need a winger, like you just said, like Vegas. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you, you know, you, you know, they're going after Gensel. I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, 
But that's that's what I was trying to say, you know? I'm, two things I would say there. One, depending on the price you're paying, if it's a big enough price, you better get it right. Oh, yeah. But and, you'll never know if you got it right until you try it. I know. I know. <laughs> but if you don't make that move and you lose in the first round. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. But look at Tampa. Two, three years ago. Is Barclay Goudreau a first round, worth a first-round pick? Oh, you got to be kidding me at that time. When you I win mean, a cup, it's absolutely worth it. That's what I'm yeah. saying. And then if you Goudreau don't win, you're one Blake of those Coleman. 18. What's that? Oh, Blake but, Coleman. And Blake Coleman. That's yeah. my point. And then but when you it goes win wrong, it. you're Tanner. Blake no. Coleman was basically two first-round picks because it yeah. was Nolan Foote as well, who they had just drafted. Who they had just drafted. So you're talking about essentially two first-rounders for Blake Coleman. Yeah. That's you, the kind of deal, personally, that's the kind of deal I want to see the Avs make at this deadline because Blake Coleman had two years. Thing, yeah. He had two years on his contract. So they got multiple runs out of it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, hey, a first-round pick in Cal Ritchie for Brock Nelson? Yes. and Yes, please. This is the other thing I want to talk about that Megan brought up. I'm not saying I want to trade Cal Ritchie, but is his price as high as it's ever going to be it's, people are putting him at six the best prospect in the right. world right awesome. now like hands off that's great yeah he's never played a game in the league right sometimes the value's the value didn't even point. get to see him at camp <laughs> right that's not his fault he no hurt, of course but. not but he's been on a tear and uh people might be interested we'll yeah. put it that way uh, and then on the flip side of things too you might have teams that you know, the fan base is going to be so pissed at. Like, I'm going to use Boston, for example. You know, I've been another good year, right? Not like last year. Mm-hmm. Last year made some moves that made them one of those teams gone. And only eight are left after the first seven to ten days. They weren't one of the eight spots. You got to look at their depth chart right now. And I was looking at that yesterday. Like, they don't really have a lot of assets to make a deal. Nope. Remember I was telling you, like, oh, Lindholm would be great in there. But it's like, you can't even compete with what's, What's out there right now? Because you don't have the assets to make it work. Yeah, the when in, in Boston, you know, we always talk about oh, is the cupboard full? Last year, they burned the cupboard down to make a, a go of it with Bergeron and Krejci. Totally justifiable. They were having an all-time great regular season. Why wouldn't you? It just didn't work out for them. And I, that's why I say this. Now they're dealing with the, the consequences assets. of it. Yeah, it's it's hard. Uh, on that note. Maybe everyone around the trade deadline needs to just chill a little bit. Put on your bucket hats like AJ's got over there. Get yourself a Coors Light with some Blue Mountains and relax. Sit on the couch. P.S. Do that for trade deadline day, actually. We're going to be live all day, trade deadline day. So grab also a takeover day. Yeah, it's, it's a busy day for us. Grab a Coors Light when you are hanging out on the couch enjoying your sports, whether it's trade deadline or a game, it's the beer made to chill. And you don't even have to get off your couch to get some. You can get it delivered directly to you with Instacart when you go to CoorsLight.com slash DNVR. It also helps us out. Let them know we sent you over there. Get yourself some Coors Light and uh, enjoy your day, night, evening, morning, whatever time it might be for you. Coors Light is the way to chillax when you watch Gross. whatever your sport is. You're not a chillaxer. No. More of a chill maxer. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Chillax and cool beans, two things that became popular that I just, every time I heard them, it felt like somebody was sticking razor blades in my eyeballs. Yeah, the, the cool beans got old really fast for me as well. Yeah, I tend to agree. If I could see you right now. That movie is like maybe the most overrated movie of all time. Just, Which movie? Just throwing it out there. I forget the name of it. The one with Andy Samberg, and he says cool beans 800 times. Is it the one where he's um, like the stunt? Yeah. Where he wants to be yeah. a stunt Hot Rod, man? is that hot it? Yeah, Hot Rod. That's what it oh. is. Yeah. Not a good movie. Fight me. I love Andy Samberg. <laughs> I, he's hilarious, too. And Isla Fisher. I, am I yeah. saying her name right? Isla Fisher. She's so yeah. pretty. Sorry, this is not important. Look, get yourself a Coors Light. Have a good time. Maybe it'll make me like Hot Rod. I don't know. <laughs> also, save yourself a ton of money when it comes to American financing Go get with them. They save their average customer $854 a month. That adds up to over $10,000 a year by eliminating high-interest credit card debt, uh, and they may even be able to delay your next two mortgage payments. So 
Give them a call today. They can maybe get your loan closed in as soon as 10 days. It just takes a couple of minutes, and they're licensed in all 50 states. So go get with them today. Give American Financing a call over at 303-695-7000. That's 303-695-7000. Let them know DNVR sent you, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR to get a hold of them. NMLS 182334, NMLS APR for rates in the five starts at 6.799. For well-qualified borrowers, call 303-695-7000 for detailed details about credit costs and terms. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. And I want to get into a conversation about the trade deadline. This goes beyond the abs, but more as a whole. And I think there's a couple of angles to this, but you look at Lindholm already off the board. And I don't want to take anything away from Jake Gensel. He's a great player. He'll probably make a team significantly better if he does end up getting moved. But they're not going to get anywhere near two firsts and an no, A-plus prospect. That's yeah, an outrageous price. And, and Girl, please. And my point is, does it feel like this deadline is lacking a real headliner? Yeah, because you don't have a top defenseman available and you don't have a top center available. Elias Lindholm was it. And as we talked about, when Elias Lindholm was still a Calgary Flame, he's a 2C. Yep. That's the kind of market that you're talking about. There is not a true game-changing, like, landscape-altering player here. Your closest is Jake Gensel. Unless you want to start getting into the goaltenders. Because if UC Saros and Jacob Markstrom are involved... For That's real involved. Different conversation. Then, yeah. you know, uh, how do you feel about a UC Saros or a Jacob Markstrom in New Jersey or L.A.? That's game-changing. You feel quite a bit differently about those landscapes. So, outside of those guys, uh, in terms of skaters, like it's like Jake Gensel is by far the best one available, in my opinion. You're like, and the rest are like trying to talk yourself into Noah Hannafin on that list or yeah, something. Yeah, like, and like Noah Hannafin's really good. Chris Tanev is really good. They're really good for who they are or what they are. Second pairing guys. Yeah, like if Noah Hannafin ends up in Dallas, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> That's a problem. That's a really big problem. But it's a lot more of there are guys that fit specific places. Than exactly. This is just a really good player. Yeah, and like it's it's why, you know, Adam Henrique in Colorado is a problem for other teams. Yep. Scott Lawton in Colorado other teams are probably okay with that. <laughs> are, are we heading towards a slow deadline? And and we've had slower ones the past couple of years. Last year's because everyone did their moves before the deadline yeah, actually the happened. The week before the deadline, yeah. the entire Eastern Conference emptied the tank, man. It was crazy. So are we going to sit here for five hours on deadline day with nothing happening? or Or do you guys think the league will find moves to make? I wanted to ask when Eric made mention of somebody's going to do something stupid. <laughs> One, I love that. Ah. And I, I wanted to know, looking at last deadline, what you thought the stupid move was. I, know, I would have to go back. like, But there's always something. When I say stupid is, again, I'm going to defend them from doing it. Because I said it earlier, I'm, I'm yeah, a gambler. It's you know? a hard position. But what I'm saying is, Eight of them are left after seven to ten days. So yeah, and it ends yeah. up being a stupid move. Last now, would I have done that move. stupid move? Probably. You know what I mean? Like, I, but last year's stupid move was Tanner Janot. Well, hey go, hey go. That's that's what a stupid the move. hell was that? That was weird. Yeah, that's what I mean. Klingberg was a little weird. Yeah, but it wasn't like they gave up a ton to make yeah, that and happen. Klingberg at least was like a. It, it, it's like a name, like a guy with a track record of being really good at some points in his NHL career. Tanner Janot was like, he hits people and he had one crazy shooting percentage-driven season well, and they gave up five assets for him. Because they, they, they look back at Barclay Goudreau, you know what I mean? And Barclay at that time was not as and polished as he is now. Sure, but know? Barclay Goudreau even center wing versatility. Tanner yeah, yeah, Janot... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does I not. I know. But he brought the one wall. called that the one wall. You know, he brought the. But yeah, the, the, I, I do believe there'll be something that we qualify as stupid. Uh, but you won't know until the after the first round because that's when the chips are still in the fall. That's right? Enough. To understand where you're at. I do believe there'll be some depth moves. There'll be a lot of depth moves. You know what yep. I mean? Like, you know, you'll see a lot of American League moves too as well. You know what I mean? Like, that's. You see all the time at that time, even though their deadline's a little later. But <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna see some. You'll see some 
people protecting themselves with some death because I'm telling you on the boards and every team, there's like, okay, where are we at? How many? We want to make a run at it. It's a two-month run. How many Ds are we de- are we deep? And Colorado included, you know. So then they got they got Huntsy, they got you know I mean on their list because you got to be about. I mean they've got Caleb Jones can't get into a game. Yeah, what I'm saying is you got to get at least ten, eleven because it goes quick, right? Yeah, well, you, know you have like, Caleb Jones, Sam Malinsky, and Brad Hunt kind of right off the top here. So right away you're almost at ten. So you got to be at ten plus. So each team they're not there yet. So they're you're going to see a lot of those moves, right? You know being made. Uh, I don't think I'll be quiet. I don't think I'll be as crazy as people think it is because, you know, again, in Canada, they're trying to sell those shows and they sell those to, to big corporations, the obscene amount of money. So they want to make sure that, oh, there's going to be a lot of movement. You know, I, I do believe that there always is something that we qualify as stupid. I think there's always something that's going to move. But you're right. I do believe this year it's not the UFA year, meaning like, you know, pending UFAs. I do believe it's the hockey trade year. I do believe it's the year of the goalies. I do believe Markstrom's gone. Saros is gone. And possibly another one that might just make us think like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that one. You know what I mean? So I do believe the bigger trades will be those two guys then because they have term left, right? So, Well, and it always seems like there's a really like out of left field. <laughs> Anthony Manta for Jacob Verona on a first round pick where you're like, what the, what the hell? Yep. What is this? It feels like those happen once a year where you're kind of like it's kind of a fun trade for both teams we'll see how this goes and that's the one where you're like that's where i that's where you want colorado involved yeah you want them involved in the well it's kind of a fun deal like okay they get a morgan frost or a casey middlestad or a brock nelson type like a, a guy or yanni gord you know guys that we've talked about yeah. guys yeah. that make sense guys that fill a specific role but might have to give up pieces that right away you're like oh i don't want to give that up just a couple of uh, mistakes from last year. Tyler Bertuzzi to Boston. Yep. For a first, For right? a first and a fourth. <sighs> but that, 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 that's stupid. Again, I don't know. I'm French. I don't know the other word, but that's what I mean by that. Like, looking back at it, it's a stupid move, right? Uh, Patrick Kane to New York for a second plus. Yeah, that was tough. That was silly. Lars Eller for a second. That was also tough. That was silly. Uh, I don't think it was silly. It's for seven to ten days, right? So it's it's a lot. And then whatever Toronto tried to do their defense at the deadline last year. I mean, Toronto what made was it again last Toronto year? overturned like half their roster. Yeah. <laughs> they had like ten new guys. Yeah, it was that to me. I was like, this is bad because now you have this is you're using the last fifteen games of the season as training camp. Like these guys don't even know each other's names, and they're going into a first round series, and they won it. So what do I know? And, and, immediate. Then Not so yeah. <laughs> and then got smoked because they wanted Florida and got it. Also, I just wanted to make fun of them for trading Rasmus Sandin because he's dope. Anyway. Not as it has not had the strong follow up after he got to Washington and he was like, I score every game now. Yeah, it wasn't that dope, but I still like him. I like him too. So anyway, all all of that to say it, it'll be interesting to see how this deadline shapes up with as you guys were talking about hockey trades, will the Avs or any other team be able to get involved in advantageous situations? Or do you end up overpaying for a second tier of guys? And, and this kind of leads to my next question. What are you guys expecting the market to look like? Is this the seller's advantage or buyer's advantage this year coming into the trade deadline? I think it's a buyer's advantage. We've already seen a couple of the moves that have happened have not been particularly pricey. It's true. You know, the you look at like even going back to the Zadorov to Vancouver one, you were like, that's a not a crazy Yeah, yeah like Nikita Zadorov's a decent NHL defenseman and he got moved for a mid round pick. Like yep. Okay. Yeah. The, the Elias Lindholm trade to me was not overly expensive. It's a first round pick and a good D prospect that people are really excited about. I yeah. Okay. I think Calgary got swindled, to be I, honest I, with I you. I don't know about swindled, but I feel like Vancouver's very comfortable with that deal. I I would have been pretty comfortable with it from Colorado's side had there been somebody that they liked, and if I had been more sold on Elias Lindholm as, like, the guy. An, like, yeah. an answer there. Sure. Because I, I always really struggled with settling up with a first-round pick. He's the, He was the best guy available, so he got a good price. 
but in terms of how good is the player actually today, he's good. Ah, I, I I think he's fine, but for the price, is the difference between Adam Henrique and Elias Lindholm going to be the difference between what ultimately I think their prices will be at the deadline? I don't I don't know. What's well, going to Lindholm cut, touches the game so many ways, and I know Henry does too in a way, but I think that. Because you have Mac, because you have, you know, impactful, like, you know, maybe Henrik is, I, I do think he's a good fit. I'm saying I'm comparing him to Lindy, you know, Lindholm. Yeah. Um, Lindholm is a better player, but maybe as a fit, a guy just like Henrik could be just perfect for, for the abs and, you know what I mean, because of the, the Nate factor. And you got to remember, Nate plays 30 minutes a night, right? Yeah. You know I mean? Your second line, and, and like, if you drop an Adam Henrique, who is really good on faceoffs, is a, the skating isn't a giant plus or minus at this point in his career. It's oh, just kind of like it's, it's fine. Um, but, you you know, you, you drop him in between Nachushkin and, and Lekkinen and into whatever that top six alignment ends up being. Is Adam Henrique on his own incredible? No. But you don't need him to be. You just need him to be a meaningful upgrade over Ryan Johansson because you feel like your first line is set. You feel like your third line is set. You feel like your two thirds of your second line is set. You're not far here. You just need a, you just need a guy that fits more than right, a guy that's going to yeah. blow the doors off the place. That was my point. You just, you're just better expressing yourself. The cultural fit. With the hat. With Henrik. Yeah. The work ethic, the motor, like the speed is a little bit of concern, but it's an improvement over Ryan Johansson with yeah. Henrik. And that work ethic then, and honestly, the production that he still has maintained through this point in his career is, an, everything of that is an improvement on Ryan Johansson and makes a lot of sense culturally in Colorado. But you also consider, look at who a guy like Adam Henrik plays alongside. I haven't you, looked you at his, them a lot better. <laughs> I haven't looked at his most common line mates recently, but at one point, like thirty-five games into the year, it was Silverberg and Max Jones. Which is a, you're dragging some anchors around, there. right? Like, and he was pushing play. There were good results happening in Colorado. You're going to get a better environment to succeed. It's not unlike that. We talk a lot about if he's a fit in Colorado. The Colorado bump has existed for many guys. Mm-hmm. But my question, though, with that point. Can somebody look up, like, what's his ice time right now on PP per game? Henry, I'll look it up. While it's I keep PP going, while I, what, I don't know what it is exactly, yeah. but he's been on the top unit. Yeah, okay, so, so here's, my, here's my thing, production-wise. Like, yeah, you get the Colorado bump when you come here, right, depending on who you play with. Again, you play with Valley, instantly he's going to be a freaking good player at five-on-five. Production might drop a little bit, though. If You got to remember power play, and I bitch about it all the time. I complain about it, sorry, but all the time. They play two minutes on the power play. So he might come in here. He's not on the power play. So your power play, uh, power play production might go down. You know what I mean? So then yeah. your numbers go down a little bit. I'm talking about but if he's playing here. If he's but playing. I'm not worried about that. I'm saying on pure production. You know, And, and we're using Henry kind of here as a placeholder for this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure. 15 minutes a night of even strength in, in what is Colorado's top six. I, I keep saying Matushkin and Lekkinen because right now that's the alignment. But and his production will go top up. Top six wingers Exactly. You whatever yeah. that alignment ends up being, you're, you, you are talking about he's in a – whoever they get is going to be in a situation to succeed yep. as long as they are a fit. That's it. Because that's where with Ryan Johansson, hey, he was in a position to succeed too. He's just – Not a fit. He's just a bad fit in Colorado. It didn't work. As long as they, ha- they can get out of that without having to pay an arm and a leg – and I and with Rijo, I do wonder. I do wonder if this is a deadline because Eric, you made a good point there uh, a few minutes ago about it's not a good UFA class. I, I don't think it is. It's not great. It's not a good UFA class. There aren't very many difference makers going into UFA this year, and so I wonder how many of these guys that would be deadline guys next year. A team just gets you know. Because they're expiring in a year, a Yanni Gord type. Uh, what if Seattle just gets the same offer that they're going to look for a year from now? Just give it to them, now. and they just yeah. say, "We're good. We'll just take that draft pick a year earlier and get started." Very quickly, Henry plays about two twenty a game on power play, but 
only has nine power play points. Okay, so, so it's not good. carrying his production. So what I'm saying stash. is he would get the Colorado bump. You know, I can look it up. He would get the Colorado bump because of Val yeah. and Lekkinen, and you know, again, it's a great team. And no offense to Silverberg or Max Jones, it's just that's an upgrade here. You would play with. So maybe his production will go up, but maybe his power play production, which is not very big, would go down. So, again, if you're comparing points, I'm talking about, you know, I th- I, he's a great fit here in my book he on what's left. But plays 236. Shorthanded. Shorthanded, man. So that's an all situation. face percentage? Yeah, he's a big good? PK guy. The top PK guy. I've always liked him. I, I told you guys. we. we Last we, time we, I looked at his face-off percentage, it was at, like, 53. So... We, 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 that was one of our targets for Ryan O'Reilly back Slightly then. under 50 on the penalty kill overall. I don't know. I'd have to look. Yeah. I mean, trying to figure out, a, yeah, the situationals is yeah. more important than overall faceoff percentage. But Smart player. Uh, anyway, I mean, we're, I'm, we're talking about Adam Henrique a lot in specifics here, but, like, I'm using him as just a placeholder, yeah. a name Insert that everybody whatever uses. center yeah. it Makes is sense. you want. Exactly. There, the, yeah. goals, the goals – are all the same here. You need to find some answers here. Yep. And if they're looking for a fourth line center, it's the same conversation. Like if you're, if, if you say, you know, there, there's been a lot of noise about Arizona being willing to move on from Nick Bukestad. All right. Well, he does some things. He, he could be a good four C for Colorado. Great. But he doesn't, he's not a very good face off guy. He's not I, I bad. Just, Personally, I don't think he makes any sense in Colorado. But, but his skating, his skating is fine. It fits. He's big. Well, it's better than what they have now. It's it's an well, and like the upgrade, the upgrade from what they have now to him is substantial. But you can't look at his points and say, "Oh, look at all the points that he has this year. He's going to be really good because he's not going to play second line. <laughs> he's playing seventeen minutes a night. <laughs> I mean. He's not going to play seventeen minutes a night. He's going to play ten. Yeah, eight. ten to twelve. Nine. <laughs> so and he's not he's not a particularly good PK guy. And so like you're looking at that and you look at Nick Bukestad and you say, Oh my god, it's a four C. Yeah. That sounds great because I've heard of him and because he's having a good year. But does he really check the boxes of what you need out of that role? And for my for my money, the answer is not really. If you're gonna go and seriously spend an asset on a four C, you need a guy, you need a guy that can win you face offs on the penalty kill. That has to be a really important part of that equation for my money. I, I want to get a little bit further into this, but before we do, make sure you're heading over to Bet365. Get your Gamba on. Uh, go in there. You can deposit $10 with Bet365, and you can choose either you place 5 bucks on an NHL game and you get $150 in bonus bets, or you get your first bet safety net. Place a bet up to $1,000, and if your qualifying bet loses, you get a matched refund, so you get the bet back. Might as well get in with it. Have a little bit of fun. Some risk-free action, whether it's the $150 in bonus bets or the safety net $1,000 bet. Uh, at Bet365, they don't do ordinary. They want to make it fun every single time you get in. They have over 10,000 boosts every single month when you sign up with that DNVR365 code. So go download the Bet365 app today. You can use that QR code right on screen and get signed up with the DNVR365 code. Have some fun. You even can get the uh, early payout offer. If a team gets a three-goal lead, you can cash it out right then and there. You get paid, which you might want to do. A lot of three-goal comebacks in the league. Just saying. Uh, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER today. Also brought to you by Premier Members Credit Union. You can get in with them. They're not a bank, which is kind of their whole selling point. It gives you a lot more options. They have a bunch of things like their new high-yield savings account, or you can earn 5% APY on your first $2,000 with a reverse-tier money market. Whatever your goals are, PMCU can help. It's all about creating a better banking experience for their community here in Colorado. So get with them. They have the tools to help you save smarter. When you become a new member at PMCU, you'll get $200. You just have to open a checking account and sign up for e-statements. That's it. And they give you 200 bucks. It's that easy. Easy, easy money right there. It'll be your best money move yet. Head to becomepremier.com to find out more about PMCU. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. And I don't want to get into specific players when we have this conversation because everyone's going to have, I like this guy, I like that guy, this is the guy I want the Avs to go get, whatever. 
I want to look positionally what you would be happy with the Avs doing at the deadline. I think we would probably all agree if the only thing the Avs do is go out and get a 4C, we would not be very happy. <laughs> uh, no. We'll have some angry words. So what is the what is the bar of expectation? Is the bar, I'm not going to say a 2C objectively, but a guy to fill the 2C role? Is that the minimum that Colorado has to do to say, hey, they're involved in this deadline? Or is that not enough? A top nine center, yes. Sure. And depending on the caliber of that center, like if it's a pretty true blue 2C, then maybe I am comfortable with that. But if it's a little bit more Evan Rodriguez could play up in the lineup, maybe more of a 3C, like a Scott Loughton kind of situation, <sighs> then I need a goaltending okay. addressed. I need goaltending to be addressed in addition. Like, I'll be a little disappointed if they leave it at that. I don't think that fully satisfies. They need a true 2C. I think they tried to... What's the word I'm looking for? I think they tried to be thrifty, savvy with the position thrifty, last sure. year, and that's where they ran into issues. Losing yep. Valnatushkin in the first round also didn't help um, the top six situation, but I, I think that's a... A learning lesson and a cautionary tale that they really need to commit to this position. There is no doubt that they watched JT Comfort crumble in the two C spot throughout that playoffs. It they tried to get away with it; it just did not work. It's just such a tough spot too because we talk about it in those terms. Yep, and we forget that the world that they lived in last year was that again they were going to be really good at wing. Gabe Landeskog was going to be a part of their lineup, so they didn't they, they didn't have seven million dollars at the deadline. To spend, and so just my own this this annoys me that it gets talked about in this term of like the Evs the Evs tried to cut a corner they got cute with did last year yeah, whatever I, and it's like just remember the world they were in at the time not the world that we're in today knowing what we know this is just a I'm sorry I don't mean that this no, is just no, a this is a total pet peeve of mine con context 100 percent yeah, matters the way it that does. people talk about last year's deadline where it's like yeah we, we just talked about Lars Eller as a failure uh, like 15 minutes ago and I would still say that is the case but Lars Eller never got a chance to do the job he was brought in right, to do he was supposed to just be 3c he yeah. wasn't supposed to be the 2c solution it's not fair to paint him as yeah. such and he played and he played like left wing like you know like Lars Eller didn't get a chance to be the guy he was supposed to be that's not on Lars Eller but ultimately it was a it ended up as a bad deadline you 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 put that as an x that is not a good deadline my point is regardless of context the Avs can learn a lesson from hey we might have shorted ourselves a little bit down the middle and it it was also a year where we all we there, it, it was at least talked about last season of you know is this really the year to go for? We've been hurt all season. We don't know what's going on with Landis Gog. He is hurt. It keeps getting pushed back. We think he's coming back. We may not just have the offense to do it this year. This year, you have a guy that is playing at an MVP caliber in the middle of your lineup. You are, you are where you are despite you don't have a 2C. Your, forward, your, your two top forwards are playing astronomical minutes and you're wearing them down actively. Yep. You have to do something to help Jared Bednar out to where he says, I can, I can at least, Ross Colton's going to keep playing 14 minutes a night and he's been playing 14 minutes a night all season. That's where he is now. I need another guy that can play 14 minutes a night minimum. Yep. That is my bare minimum. You have to walk out of the deadline with a guy that you feel can play 14 even strength minutes a night for you. Or more. As a center. Yeah. Minimum. As a starting point. To try and take some of the load off those top guys, but also fits who you are. If you don't do that, you've wasted it. It's, it's, there's no point in it. I'm going to go using those terms. 1A, you know. I agree. I'm not going to repeat what everybody else said. Uh, we all know. Chat, the whole world, the whole hockey world knows. Heck, Anaheim knows. Uh, you know, Verbeek knows that the Avs need a upper echelon sentiment. So I'm going to put that at 1A. And I agree with you. It would be disappointing if they don't end up getting something like that. I'm using Henrik because we're talking about yeah. Henrik. So what? what's 1B then? 1B is goaltending. Okay. I, I, for me, uh, goaltending is crucial. Uh, you're going to say goaltending. Oh, well, look at uh, Vegas last year. 
was crucial, but I know, and it ended up being good. Ended up yeah, being good for a reason. I mean, they weren't high-end names, but they went down to their third guy or even fourth guy when you think about it with, right? Who was their fourth guy? Rochois, yeah. um, Thompson, right? Yep. You know, anyway, like, and Quick being there, but Quick being hurt, and then what's his name? Hill goes in there, and he does the job. Does the job, and I'm convinced that they're not changing goaltending here in Colorado. Um, At the starter. They're not moving on right now from Georgia. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. again, I, you know, but I do believe, and I said it, I'll say it again. You got to surround them better. Because the way they're, they're in it right now, they're, they're in one in goaltending. It's going to be tough. And you need goaltending. Well, Vegas didn't need it. No, they did. They got it. Hayden Hill was outstanding. I, I don't want to hear he wasn't good. He was freaking good. Like, he did the job. He got himself a freaking contract. He got himself a number one position and I, you know, because of his playoffs. So he was good. Now, would I have thought that that was the answer But before the playoffs started? No. But what I'm saying is I'm not saying they should change the name. Georgiev's the guy. They got to surround him with someone. And I keep going after it like a guy like Flurry, because it's it's just such a weird position. They, they are alone on, on their island. You know what I mean? Goaltending. Yes, they have UC Park a lot. But I'm saying... It's just a different mentality. It's a different position. It's a different way of getting ready for games. A guy like that, if he's surrounded, I will feel better. And that's why I go, it's 1B. You know what I mean? I will feel better going into the playoffs with, and I love Eustace Annan, and I do. I, I love Eustace. He's played three games this year. So that's, again, for me, you're trying to win the cup, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and Flurry or whoever it is, Mr. 1B, might never play a game. I, I'm okay with it. But there'll be a difference, and it's a different mindset for the goalie to know that. You got to remember going back to Pittsburgh. You know they're saying, "Oh, Matt Murray, Matt Murray." You got to remember Matt Murray. He had Mark Andre Fleury right there. It's a different mindset. You know that if something happens, there's someone capable that's coming, and so this, it, it relieves a little bit, a lot of the pressure. And when Fleury was gone, Matt Murray was never the same. I'm giving you an example of of you know what it does mentally to have someone right behind you. It pushes you, first of all, in practice. It pushes you in games. And then as another guy, if the guy is right, i.e. Jonathan Quick last year or Flurry this year in the market, Flurry's going to end up going somewhere. I don't care what people say. Like, they're going to wait till the last second. Gonna, and I, some people are saying Toronto. It might very well happen. Apparently, he said Makes he sense. would go to Toronto. It does make sense. Because all, like, I mean, all of a sudden, Samsonov, he's, he's, he's cured. Yeah. Like, he's good. You know what I mean? Like, or he sees a path to playing in Toronto. So in I, Colorado, I don't that, know that Maybe not. There. That's I know, but I'm saying you got to win it, and then this is it for you. So I don't know. That's why I say 1A, 1B, and then I'm going to be greedy. Then I would like a fourth-line center, like you just said, Nick Bustad. Uh, giving you an example. I would, I would say, look, I know I'm in the minority here. The reason you're going out and getting a backup goalie has nothing to do with his ability to play hockey if you're Colorado, if you're me. Georgiev's going to be the guy who plays for you, and you're going out and getting a, a, a guy to help guide Georgiev 100%. mentally. A That's goalie it. therapist. Yep. That's it. That's that, a therapist. That, That's all it is. Because the reality of it is, for a backup goaltender, statistically, Ananin's as good as any of them. Agree. It, it really would be a marginal difference statistically. Now, if you don't trust Anon because he's got six NHL games or whatever, fine. Yeah, but your one your goalie ten your goaltender depth chart right now is Alexander Georgiev. Yep, having a tough season. Yep, Eustace Anonen, unproven. Yep, Ivan Prozvatov, unproven. Ar Ar Arvid Holm and Trent Miner, even less proven. <laughs> like this is where it's like, hey, if you go and get. You know, we're spitballing. We're we're saying Jake Allen and Mark yeah, Andre Fleury because yeah. those are like the names that everybody's comfortable with. Um, but like that guy, like a veteran goaltender that has kind of been around, that understands what's up. Megan was shaking her head over there. It was just the Arvid Holm acquisition ah, wasn't yeah, what tough. they expected it to be. That one um, it has not worked out for Colorado. So yeah, that one's very deep in the depth chart. Like I think they would sooner do something explosive if. They got that deep in the depth chart, then count on home. And, but, but I'll go to your point there, and I agree with your point, because remember I said it right away. I'm a, I'm a Anion fan. I am. But what Eustace does not have, and compared to Flurry, for example, is 
They have a tough loss. It's a blunder by the goalie. They lose 3-2 in overtime. You're going for a game six. You're sitting on the plane. You put your arm around it. It's a therapist. Like yeah. You put your, your, your arm around them. You're just standing and can't do that. I've never been there. And, and until you've been there, you, you don't know what the pressure is. You don't know what the feeling is, and, and especially if you've never been in that position. And then a guy like that, Flurry, three cups, 150 playoff games, it's very easy like Quick did last year, and I, I mean, I've been told by many people, you know what I mean? Like, that's what he brought to Hayden Hill, you know what I mean? And Georgiev would know, like, he's not there to steal my job. He's there to help me do yeah. my job. And that's a very important piece going into a playoff run that a lot of stuff happens in two months. A lot of unpredictable stuff happens, and you have to be able to. There's a reason why some players are good in the playoffs and some guys are not. It's a different world. It's a different animal. It's a different pressure. Why not surround them the right way? And that's where I'm pushing for it. Last thing on trade stuff. We have 2C, 2G. Do you have 4C as the third piece there, or is it a defenseman to round out that core? That's a tough one, man. Or none of the above. I'll go first then instead of waiting. Some days I'm like, oh, yeah, it don't matter. I, I want to force it. And then some days I'm like, I told them the other day, like, oh, my God, I'd go after Chris Tanev. You know what I mean? Like, because solidifies the right side and, you know, PK and tough how, to play How against. different do you feel about your third pairing if it's Bowen Byram and Chris Tanev versus Jack Johnson and Bowen Byram? And, it, and, and, and you need depth in the playoffs like <sighs> we talked about. You, you, Jack's going to play. Jack would play, even if they make an acquisition of – but some days I flip my thing. I'm like, oh, man, would well, I rather have a fourth line center? I don't freaking know. Like I, but Not I that know. they have to one-for-one one recreate the cup team, but the fourth line was so important to their success yep. in the Western Conference Final especially, but throughout the whole playoff series, um, playoff run. And right now they just don't have anything close to that security and consistency and efficacy as they did in the – Darren Helm, Andrew Cagliano, LOC combo. And it's not to say they can be frugal with the third pairing then in that case. I just might lean a little towards 4C today. The one thing about that is that you have a fourth line. They just haven't played fourth line yet. <laughs> they haven't been like, there yet. <laughs> like like Zach Parise and Nikolai Kovalenko are going to be your left wing, right wing, or your fourth line when the, when the postseason opens up. It's a great point. You feel pretty good about that fourth line left. all of a sudden. It's just the middle spot. Once again, yeah. you're talking about you need the guy in the middle to bring it all together. And that's why we're not talking about fourth line wing here. We're talking about fourth line center. And if you go and get a fourth line center, I'm sorry. He has to check specific boxes. You can't just willy-nilly go and get Nick Bukestad because, oh, I think he'd be good. You want a guy that wins faceoffs at a high rate. You want a guy that excels killing penalties. This is where the whole Nick Dowd conversation comes from. He does those things at a high level. Great conversation. I'll stop you. Would you it's, pay a first-round pick no, for Nick Dowd? Absolutely not. No, no. I'm, I, the only way I would pay a first-round pick for Adam Henrique is if Ryan Johansson's attached. I think, I mean, again, I think he might have to be, right? You got to look at the number. I mean, you got to make yeah, it the money. The money being what it is, our, Rigel has to go. He can't He's be on this roster. To. Yeah, it's just the reality. If that's your 4C answer, eh. Hey, you said you go on a guy who wins faceoffs, <laughs> but also kills penalties. We know yeah. they don't. We yeah, know they, they put him out on the guy. PK. Yeah, yeah, they put yeah, him out yeah. on the PK and it gets scored on. So he greedy. ushers in power play goals for the other teams. That's not what you want. You greedy guy. <laughs> well, maybe the Avs need Red Hawk roofing for their four C position. You can go get with Red Hawk roofing today. They'll give your roof a free inspection. You don't have to pay anything. They'll go up there. They'll take pictures. Show you what's going on up there. If there is something wrong, they'll get it fixed up for you. They're local here to Colorado, and they have 24-7 emergency services. So even if you don't get their inspection, if something bad happens, they can come out and get it fixed right away. So go over to redhawkroofing.com today. Get a hold of them and make sure your roof is in great condition and get it patched up if you need to. And then... We got a great deal going on here right now. Over the next three days, 30% off almost everything in the DNVR locker. You don't even have to do anything. You don't even need a code. Just go to the DNVR locker, pick what you want, and the 30% off will be applied at checkout. It's that easy. It's a great time to go get yourself 
a DNVR shirt, whatever it might be. I recommend the Av shirt. I got my 8-bit McKinnon on right now, you can see there. Uh, yeah, look at that. Look at that right there. But, you know, a Nuggets shirt, a Rocky shirt, Bronco shirt. We Do we still have the Rapid scarf? I don't know. There you go. They even got Rapid stuff in there. Uh, go check it out at the DNVR locker. Get your 30% all of our stuff. Uh, Megan, I know you have something that you're some kind of video that we're doing i don't know what it is but you know it's been in the works for a couple weeks so i'm really excited at the timing of being able to roll it out today it should be live now it was supposed to go live at three and it's in the description for today's show but should also be the top of the video feed for the dnvr youtube channel and it's a video talking about mental health and it specifically goes inside the lads locker room talk to mckinnon mccarr uh josh manson logan o'connor the nhlpa rep um about how mental health is talked about in the Avs locker room specifically. And it helps to emphasize the lack of a stigma that's attached to those types of conversations. And with Valnichushkin returning from the program and having seen the success that it brought Sam Gerrard earlier this year, I think it's really appropriate to hear from the players themselves how they prioritize that part of their care, especially from someone that is such a leader for how he takes care of himself, like Nathan McKinnon, knowing that he's been consulting a sports psychologist. It's actually before the 2018 season. It's It's been like eight years now. So it's really interesting to hear from a player like that and see that there's really positive attitudes about having those conversations. There you go. Go dive into it on the YouTube channel. Like and subscribe here. Uh, I think we had at least one super chat. Yeah, from Flats, who gave us 27 kroner. Uh, that says, should Avs make their deals ASAP or wait for March 8th? You need a partner. You need a dancing partner. Yeah, I mean, you'd love to. <laughs> it, it's not as easy as just saying, well, we, we need to make a deal now. Let's Click do it. Yeah. You'd love to do it now and get better and get those guys here and get them uh, ingratiated into your lineup as quickly as possible. But if Pat Verbeek, for example, wants to continue to wait and say, no, I'm going to wait till the last minute to move Henrik to make sure that I've heard every offer that I'm going to hear, and then I'm going to go with the one that I think is best for our organization. He, he may not get that today. He may not get that right now. Especially uh, in this kind of market, he may not get that right now. And here's what I'll, that I'll add to the Super Chat, too. you got to remember, too, there's a lot of games played every night. So there's a lot of injuries that happen every night. Jake Kensel. Uh, you know, but on both sides. Like, it could be Kensel or Henrik, let's say. Yeah. And then you wait too long. But on, on the flip side of things is sometimes you're like, I don't need Adam Henrik, you know, as, as a team. And then all of a sudden, you lose two centers in one game. One got a, blow, a, a shot in the foot. He's out for four to six weeks. And then the other one got a separate shoulder. He's out two months. And you're like, huh. Oh, I, yeah, I might need Adam Henrik. Now you're in the conversations. And you're like, what did you want for Adam Henrik? He's like, I want a first. I'm not getting a first. I'll give you a first. You know what I mean? So things happen these next, you know, whatever it is, 10 days. Before you get to the eighth, you know, so not sure the exact amount of days left, but so yeah, so you have to have a dancing partner. And even though, let's say, C Mac wants to do something today, well, the other guy has to say yes today. Yeah, Jersey's desperate for a goaltender, and they tried for Markstrom, and it didn't pan out for them, but they'll still be desperate for a goaltender. Absolutely. Just have to find someone they can come to terms with. So the answer is do it when the Dance. price is right. Uh, it's a lot harder to be a buyer in this situation because you have to, you have to make it worth it a team's while to make the move now. Yep. And then come March eighth, you have to be the last team standing in whatever bidding war exists for a player. Last thing I would say, we do have roasts my roster coming up pretty soon here. Uh, probably will be Monday the fourth if I were to guess when we'll actually look at them. So get your rosters ready. Don't submit them yet. Submit yeah. them this weekend. I wanted I wanted it to be Friday, and then Friday ended up our off day yeah. this week, and yeah. so it was like, well. So this weekend, go submit your rosters over on capfriendly.com. Put Roast My Roster or DNVR somewhere in the title. Yep. And we will look at them all this weekend, and then uh, we'll do a show roasting your rosters and uh, roasting our own rosters on yeah. Monday the 4th. If you do not put DNVR in the in the title of it, I'm not going to click on it. Because yep. when I sort through all of them, those are the only ones that I click on. Yep. So make sure you do that. Also get prepared for the, the roster Rizzler to show up. On, yeah, special on... guest. 
debut on the pod. Special guest, the roster Rizzler. <laughs> the Riz. Uh, should be a fun one. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? I think we'll just wrap the show with a video preview of the mental health Perfect. side of hockey. There you go. Go check out a little clip from uh, the mental health video. We all know that athletes at the top of their game take great care of themselves physically. But how do they take care of the mental load away from the game? Mental health continues to make headlines around the NHL this season. Players like Oliver Kylington returned to the Calgary Flames after missing 19 months, taking a personal leave of absence to care for himself. Connor Ingram, Arizona Coyotes starting goaltender, has posted a career-high save percentage just three years removed from having entered the NHL Player Assistance Program to confront his OC. CD. And even superstars like Nathan McKinnon consult a sports psychologist ever since the 2018 season to stay at the top of his game. Two Avs players have turned to the program this year to receive care. Valnichushkin and memorably Sam Girard to treat severe anxiety and depression. It begs the question, what are the attitudes and conversations around mental health in the Avs locker room? I talked to Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, and more to find out. Silly like the mayor, 